Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. And I want to uh, talk to you today on blessings and curses. And uh, I'll go ahead and read from Luke 12, 32 is my scripture this morning. It says, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I'm going to read it again. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Lord, thank you for your word and just ask your blessing upon this message in Jesus' name. Amen. So, blessings and curses. We talk a lot, especially today in the church world, we talk a lot uh, about uh, how God has, uh, wants to bless us and about how God has blessed us. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings. He wants us to be able to live the abundant life. It's all true. He wants to bless you and whatever it is He's called you to do, uh, whatever that ministry is, He wants to bless you in a way that you're able to accomplish that what He's called you to do and you're also able to bless other people along the way. And the only way you're going to be able to be a blessing is to be blessed. So it's all of that's true. The scripture we just read says that it's His good pleasure to give us the kingdom. That means He wants you to experience the kingdom. He wants you to access the kingdom. He wants you to be living uh, the kingdom lifestyle uh, in your everyday life. But when you look around, it seems like there's uh, many Christians out there that they're not walking in the blessing that God intends for us to walk in. We're not walking or experiencing the kingdom the way that we should, um, or uh, maybe not in every area of our lives the way that we should. And you know, yes, it's true that even while walking in the blessing, we're, we're going to face trials. We're going to face tribulation. There, things are going to come up. But when does that go from facing tribulation to living under a curse instead of living under the blessing that we're supposed uh, to, to be living under? And I'm not talking about experiencing failure because failure is not always the sign of a curse. In fact, I believe failure is a sign of progress. That's how you learn. That's how you move on. That's how you, how you grow. We, we don't always get it right. We all make mistakes. Uh, in fact, there are a lot of people that you can see their biggest struggles in success you probably know someone, maybe you've experienced it yourself. They seem to have everything going their way in whatever way you measure success. If that's through relationships, if that's through finances, if that's through uh, success at their job. But yet at the same time, they're never content. It's never enough. They're under the curse of always needing to be more, always wanting to have more or, or uh, wanting to, to do more. Uh, sometimes it's even in relationships. They can have the, it seems like a lot of people out there, they've had five or six good spouses. And, it's, and, what, and I'm not picking on anybody with it, but it's this thing that they, they have, a, they have a, a spouse, everything looks good, and a few years later they're no longer content. And things fall apart that should have never happened. And it's just this cycle over and over of, of needing something different. 
not even something better. And so they're in, in a way, it's like they're they're under a curse. They don't seem how to get out of this cycle of uh, sabotaging things. And so I love to talk about the goodness of God. I love to talk about the love of God, the blessings of God. And we could never do it enough. If we talked about it every day, every second of the day, we would still just be scratching the surface. You can't over-exaggerate it. You can't, you know, you, there's nothing you can do to, in any way. You're not going to even come close. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact I don't want to be ignorant of other things. And so there's probably already some people that are maybe a little uncomfortable just at the, having curses in the title of the message. They don't ever want to talk about that. You can't talk about anything bad ever happening. But the fact is, is if there's blessings, then there's also curses. And the Bible talks about both. Now, I'm not going very in-depth, probably because I'm not equipped to, but also because I'm not trying to create a, a huge debate over this on the subject. I'm just trying to give you some, something to think about and to, to pray about uh, in your time with the Lord. See, there are many Christians that don't believe in curses. And there are many Christians that believe everything's a curse. Anything bad that happens to you, it's a curse. You, you've probably been around them. And uh, I like to look at the blessings of God, like I said, but I don't want to be ignorant when it comes to the other, when it comes to living under a curse. And so we know that there are things going on in the spiritual, just like there are things going on in the physical. Those things that are going on, we see things in the visible realm, but we know there's just as much, if not more, activity going on in the invisible realm. And we, we talk about that at church all the time, but when it comes to actually doing life like we believe it, we start to get uncomfortable. We don't want to admit that the devil might be messing with us. He's always messing with somebody else. We don't want to admit that, you know, when it starts talking about, like even all sickness comes from, uh, from the enemy. It comes from sin. It comes from the original fall of man. And so we're okay. We, we want to just ignore little issues we have in our body. And then we think we need to go have a prayer meeting with someone who's battling a serious life-threatening condition and tell them how it's the devil attacking them. Well, what about the way the devil's attacking you with that ingrown toenail or whatever it is that you think that you, it's okay for you to just live with? He's affecting all of us. He's attacking all of us. In, in, in some ways. And so, so because we can't, we don't want to talk about that because then we're admitting, we're, we're, it's like we're saying something about the enemy instead of acknowledging what's obviously taking place. I don't know, is there anybody here that you're completely perfect in your body today? You don't have anything going on at all? Well, that, and, and maybe you're, if you are, then good for you, but I don't think so. There's nobody out here that you don't have any kind of blemish in your body, even if it's a, you know, you could go even as far as a birthmark or going bald like me, whatever it is. None of us are perfect. There are things that are happening to us because of the world that we live in, the fallen world that we're in. And so we have a hard time with it. We get uncomfortable talking about this, but it's a subject that we shouldn't overlook. And I understand that this is why this topic gets uh, skipped over a lot. A lot of people don't talk about it, and uh, there's a lot of different reasons, but I'm just going to give you one example that I have uh, somewhat come through. Uh, years ago, I can't remember how many years ago, and it's like a lot of other things. It's probably happened several times throughout different generations, but uh, some great men of God begin to preach on generational curses. Have you ever heard a message on generational curses or a teaching on it? Yeah. God really revealed some amazing things to these different ministers and and a lot of people experienced deliverance and they experienced breakthrough. Okay, the problem with it was 
it became a hot topic. And anytime something becomes a hot topic in the church, we mess it up. And so it became this hot, to hot topic in ministry. And so a lot of other preachers saw what was going on and they seemed to take these truths that these men were given and speaking about and they keep adding to it and they keep adding to it and they keep adding to it until now you're going to meetings where everybody's supposed to get free and there's more fear being spread than freedom. And everybody's leaving the meeting scared to death that a devil's going to jump on them instead of walking in victory knowing that they can be free in Jesus Christ. And so that's the way these things kind of develop. And so even though the cur those curses are real, they have you thinking that if anything happens to you, you're under a generational curse. And you need to go, you know, some people need to leave that family tree alone. But they would have you thinking that you should go all the way down and trace that thing back to find out what somebody did way back when because you've been under this curse all this time and you're just scared to death. And then don't, you're going to get caught by every red light on the way home and think that it's true because of what they told you. And then you would have preachers that they would use this truth, and it, this is completely true. They would talk about the way that the blood of Jesus breaks every curse. That's true. So then they would say, though, it's impossible for a Christian to be under a curse. It's impossible for a Christian to be dealing with oppression from the enemy or, or being even bothered by the enemy. If you're really saved, that wouldn't happen. And so you can see where believers kind of could get at both ends of the spectrum. And both beliefs are somewhat funded in Scripture in a way. So what do we do with it? How are we supposed to process it? Well, most people just chose to ignore it. Just leave it alone. Don't touch that. And uh, just keep talking about the blessings of God. Everybody likes that. Everybody's happy. Everybody leaves on a good note when you do that. And really, I'm mostly talking about the blessings of God uh, today, even by speaking by, about both. But what I want to propose to you is this. The blood of Jesus does break every curse. It breaks every curse. The blood of Jesus, you're a brand new creation. It's taken care of. Your spirit man is made completely brand new. We still are dealing with these faulty bodies in a, in a sense, though. But could it be that the curses are broken until we choose to walk back under that curse? or until we choose to speak that thing back over our lives and agree with the enemy instead of agree with what the, what the Word says about us and what the Father says about us. See, the enemy attacks all of us the same way. He whispers things to us about our past. He tells us that we're not saved, that nothing changed, we're still the same old person. He tells us about our parents, about our grandparents, any relatives that, that had an issue, and, and that's what he does. And so the curse has been broken. You've accepted Christ or, or you've rededicated your life or whatever uh, phase you're at in your walk with the Lord. And then you mess up. You do something bad. You say something bad. Whatever, whatever it is. And he comes right back and he says, I told you you weren't saved. I told you you were just like this relative or that relative. I told you nothing had changed. And unfortunately, because we have not been in the word like we should and know to pull those strongholds down immediately and agree with what God says, we start repeating the enemy. And so if your weakness, maybe your weakness is money. Maybe you didn't handle money very well. Maybe you did something really silly with it, like most of us have done from time to time. And all of a sudden, you get saved. Or God, a preacher preaches a message on giving, and you said, I've never been a giver. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a giver now. And you start, uh, whether you get saved or you just start giving, 
and everything's going well. And then your car breaks down. Before then, you haven't been able to pay your bills. You've had all kinds of problems, and now you've been giving. God's been blessing you. You've been making your payments. Everything's good. Car's broken down, and you can't afford to pay it. And the first thing you says is giving doesn't work. I should have known better. I don't have any money to pay this. I'm going to be broke my whole life like my mom was broke or my dad was broke or my, uh, my grandma was broke. That's just how my family goes. And you speak all these terrible things and create this crazy belief system in your mind. And then years later, you have the same people and they still say, oh, I tried giving, but it didn't work for me. It works for everybody. It's, it's, a, it's, a, tr it's a biblical truth. It doesn't change. Or the same thing, because uh, it's easy to get into some other stuff, but people with immorality, the same issues. Uh, or sickness is the good one. I already mentioned that about different things in our body, but it's just the same thing. We're declaring healing. We're talking about uh, believing God, everything's going to be okay. And then we get sick. Well, this always happens. This person in my family had this, and this person in my family had that, and that's just how it's going to be. I'm not surprised. See... <laughs> Our words are important. So I'm talking about our words again today. Our words along with our actions will determine if we live in the, in the blessing or the curse. We need to remember this life is, a, life is a process and we're going to face trials. And what we say and what we do during those trials, everybody in here, you're going to have a trial. But what we say and what we do during those trials or during those attacks of the enemy in our life is very important. Because we're usually pretty good about speaking faith at the beginning of a trial. I don't know about you, but I am excellent at it. At the very beginning, I know just what to say. But as that trial starts to linger and doesn't end as quickly as I think it should, sometimes I find myself making the wrong confessions. My confession or my declaration changes drastically. You know, at the beginning, I'm saying, oh, we're just going to trust God. Everything's going to be okay. I'm just going to speak life to this. A couple weeks later, when is this ever going to end? I don't think it's going to end. And you've done the same thing. We need to keep the right confession, a confession that produces blessings in our life and not curses. And we have to remember that God's lack of response is never a lack of love. That's one of the first things the enemy's going to whisper to you. And it's just not true. See, sometimes we don't understand God's timing because we're trying to get to a place and God's trying to build a person. And so it doesn't matter. With, even in the church, we're always trying to get to a place. If I can just remember this much scripture, if I can just read this much of the Bible this year, if I can just get to this level of ministry, if I can just have this type of encounter or this type of experience at the altar, everything, we're always trying to get to a place or a level when God's trying to build the person. So God wants to give us the kingdom, and he's preparing us to steward those blessings that he wants us to walk in. We just can't see it, so we start to complain, and we get negative confession after negative confession. And then we act surprised when we get what we said. Now, think of your words like this. Your confession, what you're proclaiming, what you're declaring, is feeding the cloud above you that is eventually going to rain down on you. The question is, what's in your cloud? If you could see, if we could all just look right now spiritually and see the cloud that's above us, Will we all start singing, let it rain, or will we start crying for somebody to give us an umbrella? We need some help. We're looking for shelter. I don't want to know. I don't really want to know the answer to that. I'm going to have to do some searching on my own in my private time and not tell you about that one. But, but it's true. 
What would we what would we do? What would we think if we could see what was about to rain down on us? That's all because of what we've been doing and saying. Now say I like venting as much as the next person. Do you does anyone here like to vent about what's bothering you? I love it. Cause see I I think out loud. I mean, not always, but for the most part, I like to think out loud. I like to talk about, uh, even though I said last week when Heather asked me, what am I thinking? <laughs> but I still like, I do a lot of thinking out loud. I talk my thoughts out. And uh, so I do it a lot. But how much better would we be if we would just vent to God? Does anybody have a hard time venting to God? I do. I can vent, I vent to other people fine. Then when it comes to God, I, I don't know. It's like I'm going to hurt his feelings or something if I, if, I, if I tell it. But, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't talk to other people. It's important that we share with one another. But we need to be careful not to speak something back into existence that we should have already moved past and trusted God about. And so we see this with Jacob in Genesis chapter 29. And I didn't give him all the scriptures today, so you're going to have to trust me on this. If you want to turn to it, it's Genesis 29, verse 13. And this is when Jacob meets his father-in-law. So 29, verse 13. And um, so Jacob's running from Esau and all, this stuff, all that stuff's happening. He's taking the birthright and all those things. And so it says, As soon as Laban heard that his nephew Jacob had arrived, he ran out to meet him. He embraced and kissed him and brought him home. When Jacob had told him his story, Laban exclaimed, you really are my own flesh and blood. So I want to show you this, how powerful our words can be. So Laban, if you don't know the story, he's not a very good guy. And so he hears Jacob's story, and you know how Jacob told it from his point of view. He's the victim. I was just doing what mom told me to do. I was just trying, you know. But, he, but, he's, all, but he's, he's telling a story that he didn't have to tell. And he's telling him all these things that has happened in his life recently where basically Jacob's been tricking everyone. Stole his brother's birthright by uh, uh, um, acting like his brother and tricking his dad because he was blind and all, you know, all those things. You know the story. And so he tells Laban this, all these events that have happened and Laban's response is, hey, you're just like me. Jacob should have known better with that, but... They spend the next, well, years, I think it was it 14 or 21 years, I think it's something like that, deceiving each other and tricking each other. Laban even gets him to marry the wrong woman. Uh, there's stuff going on with the livestock. There's just all kind of issues back and forth. They're deceiving one another and tricking one another. But he, he told him that, you're just like me. And it was all from the story that Jacob had told him. Now, maybe you haven't, but I've told somebody something before, and before I could even finish telling them what I was saying, what I was trying to tell them, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, why are you telling them this? <laughs> you did not need to say this, but somehow you, you are. And um, when I've done it a number of times, well, most of the time when I get that feeling, it's because I was not saying something positive. It was usually something negative that I was saying about, uh, about somebody that I shouldn't have been saying. See, what are we releasing with our words? And unfortunately, sometimes the worst things we say are about ourselves. When I, I was young, I used, to, um, I used to like to say things that shock people. And so 
It's amazing a lot of the bad stuff we say to make people laugh or to, you know, get people surprised. And uh, I don't know of anyone else in here, but I did a lot of dumb stuff when I was young, too. And so when somebody would see me doing something not smart, they would say something about, yeah, you need to be careful with that. You could get hurt doing that, uh, especially if it's something that could, like, hurt you later on in life. And I would say, oh, I'm not worried about that. I'm probably just, just going to die from cancer or a heart attack one day anyways. I'm not worried about it. And they would always say that shocked look that I was looking for, and they would say something about, you shouldn't say stuff like that. I said, why? Well, that, you, that's crazy to say anything like that. I said, well, my grandpa had his first heart attack at 27. My aunt died at 42 of cancer. My grandma died at 62 of cancer. My cousin died at seven years old of cancer. My mama got cancer when I was eight years old. And I would just go through this list, which the list is a lot longer now, but I would just, and they would say, they, they didn't know what to say, which is what I was going for when I started the conversation with them. And the thing about it is, is everything I said was a fact. All of it were, were facts. But as children of God, I know this sounds like a sleazy politician, but we can't trust facts. We have to trust the truth. And the facts may have been that all of those things had happened to those people, but the truth is what God's word says about me. And it says that I'm more than a conqueror. It says that I can do all things through Christ. It says that he has blessed me with all spiritual blessings. It says that I, I don't have to be sick, that I can be healed. That by his stripes, I was healed. It's already done. But many times, because we keep repeating the facts, we miss the truth. See, so good or bad, our words are powerful. Proverbs 11, verse 19 says, With their words, the godless destroy their friends, but knowledge will rescue the righteous. Proverbs 12, 18, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Proverbs 15, 4, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. The tongue's powerful. It has the power to, con to confess and proclaim either life or death, either blessings or curses. James 3, verse 5. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, brothers and sisters, this is not right. It says that it is impossible. No one can taint the tongue. That's why we need Holy Spirit. We have to have the help of the Holy Spirit if we're going to get control of the things that we say. Because those little words that we're saying are powerful. And we can say that we, I didn't mean it when I was saying that when I was younger. And I'm just so thankful that God uh, is a good father. And that, you know, my mom and dad, they did not spank me every time I did something wrong. And they didn't yell at me every time I did something wrong. Mom every now and then, but dad, but dad not so much. But, you know, that's how God is with us. I don't think that every time you misspeak any little thing, that all this bad stuff's going to happen to you because His grace looks after us, His mercy, and He, he, he overlooks our ignorance. Amen. And thank God for that. 
And, uh, and, and, but at the same time, we can say, oh, I didn't mean anything by it. I was just joking around when I said this or said that. But we have to be careful. And as we mature in the Lord, we have to be aware of the power that we possess in our words. Now, I know that I'm mainly talking about the power of our words, but this also is, has to do with the things that we do. It's not just what we say, but also the things that we do can determine if we're living under a blessing or a cursing. Now, it should be obvious that you aren't going to be living under the blessing of God if you're living in open sin. It should be obvious, but this day and time it has to be said. <laughs> open sin, I mean something that you know better than, but you aren't doing anything to fix those issues. I'm not saying anybody has to be perfect, but there's a lot of people, they know what they're doing is wrong, and not only are they not fixing it, they're not even trying. And they're just saying everything's okay. If you're living that way, you're not going to be living under the blessing of God. It's just, it's just not going to happen. And so other than the obvious sins, you might wonder, especially if you sat through some of those services where they spread more fear than freedom like I did, you might be saying, well, how can I not be cursed? How can I not be living under a curse in my life? And the answer is easy. It's going to be simple and it's going to sound sarcastic, but the best way you cannot be cursed is to be blessed. Just be blessed. Live under the blessing. And, and it's the same thing. When people, like I said, live in an open sin or people that are not living for God, you can't expect to be living in the blessing of God. And notice I didn't say people that aren't saved. Because there's a lot of people that say that they're saved, but yet they don't go to church. They don't spend time in the Word. They don't, they don't uh, spend time in prayer. They have nothing. No, uh, um, they're, not, they're not looking to build a relationship with God at all. They have no hunger for God, no desire for God, and, but they'll still say they're saved, but they don't understand why all these bad things are happening to them. You might probably know some people like that. I don't know why all these bad things are happening to me. They're not, they're not living under the blessing. They're not pursuing God or living for God at all. And see, I don't want anyone to leave here today focusing on not being cursed or worried about not being cursed. I want you to focus on being blessed. Doing what God's called you to do and what, God, what it takes to build a relationship with God so that you can walk in the blessing in everything that you do. You can experience the kingdom that He has, uh, has for us to experience and He wants to give us. In Deuteronomy 28, we had the famous chapter on blessings and curses. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So the key to blessing, if we want to not be cursed, we need to be blessed. The key to blessing is mentioned right here in both verses. Obey the voice of the Lord. Now there's two steps to be able to obey the voice of the Lord. First one, hear the voice of the Lord. Number two, do what he says. See, we, we know that faith comes by hearing his voice, hearing that rhema word of God. So think about that. To have faith, we need to hear his voice. And to be blessed, we need to hear his voice and obey him. And see, if blessing starts with hearing his voice and obeying him, then cursing, living under a curse, is going to be just the opposite. Being cursed comes from not hearing his voice and not obeying him. And that's where these, the, it comes into the ones that they say that they're saved, but they're not pursuing God. They're not living a life developing that relationship. They're not going to be hearing the voice of God if they're not in His Word. 
They're not going to hear His voice. If they don't hear His voice, they can't obey His voice. If they don't obey His voice, they're not going to be blessed. And they'll find themselves in a situation of living under a, under a curse. And so we need to be careful of, of this. And I hope that you see why it's so important to realize it's not about rules, but it is about relationship like Heather and I were talking about last week. We need to be pursuing that. We need to hear His voice. We need to be in His Word. We need to be giving time to Him because we need to do what He says. And we need to choose our words wisely during that process of Him building us up because He wants us to be blessed and He wants to give us the kingdom. It's His good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And this is not just a sermon to help you start speaking positively. This is important. This is powerful. See, sometimes we don't realize how powerful the words that we speak are or the actions that we, that we do and how it affects the heavenlies. I was reading a book one time uh, by Mike Bickle, and he was talking about a midweek prayer meeting. And he was going to the midweek prayer meeting. There's just going to be a few people from the church there. And he gets on the property, and as soon as he opens his car door, he can already hear the sound system. And it's loud. In his opinion, too loud. And so he's getting aggravated because they just got a brand new sound system. And he says, those sound guys are in there messing with the sound system. They're going to blow these new speakers. And so he's heading up to the church, and it's getting louder and louder and louder. He opens the back doors. He walks in, and it is just blaring out of the sanctuary. And he is ticked off. And so he snatches open the back door to the uh, sanctuary, and the music just stops immediately. There was no sound guys. There was two guys at the front in their work clothes praying. And so he does like all of us, uh, you know, get excited about things like that. He starts thinking, he, he starts thinking to himself, you know what? I was just thinking about how loud the music was, but he begins to realize that the music was perfect. And it was just be the most beautiful music he'd heard. The, everything, was, everything was just right in it. And he starts, he says, that was the music of heaven. Man, we're about to have a good prayer meeting tonight. That's what preachers do. And uh, so he said he can't wait. He says, man, when these people get here tonight, it is going to break loose in this place. God is about to do something amazing. So a few more people trickle in after a long day at work. And he said it was the most boring, dry prayer meeting he had ever been to. Nothing happened. Everybody was tired. They, they prayed a few prayers about the city and about revival and about the church, and they went home. And so he said that night he couldn't sleep. And he just began to ask the Lord. He said, Lord, I don't understand. I heard that music. I heard the music of heaven. I know that's what it was. And then nothing happened in the prayer meeting. And... God spoke to him and said, what do you mean nothing happened in the prayer meeting? He said, that was a powerful prayer meeting. And he said, in fact, that's what happens every time some of my children get together and begin to pray. Even when they're tired after work and there's not a lot going on here. He said, when, they begin, when you begin to pray, even in a small meeting like that when there's just a few, and I believe this is what's been going on on Tuesday morning prayers. But he said, but he said as those prayers go up, my angels and the choirs in heaven begin to join it. He said, by the time it gets to my throne, what you heard is what I hear. Even when it's just a few. And he said that it, it changed everything about the way not only they approach prayer meeting, but everything in the church because they begin to see that the small things matter. 
That even what doesn't seem like a big deal, oh, making the right declaration, that's silly. Or doing the right thing when nobody's going to know and nobody's going to care in this day and time. That doesn't mean anything. It means everything. Because by the time those small acts of kindness and faithfulness or those prayers that you're praying for that loved one that you don't think they're ever going to change, by the time they reach the throne, they've already been empowered and infused with the music of heaven and the choirs of heaven, at least from the vision that God gave him that day. I'm not going to say exactly. I don't know what's going on in heaven. It's too hard. Me and Heather were talking about it this morning. It's too hard to even fathom in our minds what's taking place. So I just know we can't exaggerate it. I do know that, like I said about God's love. But those little things matter. They're so much bigger in the invisible than we could ever even imagine. And it's important that we do the right thing, that we say the right things, and that we make the right changes in our lives, no matter how small they may seem, because God will do amazing things in your life if you'll trust Him and live under the blessing that He has for you to live under. If you'll go ahead and stand with me. Um, so let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your presence here today, God. We thank you for such a sweet spirit. Lord, we pray for those that aren't here today that are sick in body. God, I pray that you would just uh, touch Monty right now. Uh, Lord, help him to feel better and the sickness to be gone. And Lord, we pray for Kevin Register, God. We just, uh, we just speak to this brain tumor and command it to leave. We release healing and creative miracles upon his body right now, Lord, of restoration of any damage that's been done. And, Lord, we just release that upon Sam, too, the trauma of his body from different accidents over the years. God, we speak to from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, Lord, his shoulders, his back. We just speak healing and all pain to leave. And, God, that you would just give him peace. And, Lord, I pray for every person in here, God, Lord, that we would just be so focused on you that we walk in the blessing you have for us to walk under. God, we want to be what you've called us to be, Lord, and we don't want to, we don't want to be ignorant of the, of the schemes of the enemy to get us to walk back under those things you've already delivered us from. So, God, we just want to go after you. And I pray that would be every person in here's heart's desire, God, and that we would just continue to have a hunger for you that grows more and more and more. And, God, we just give you the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our Connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.